Chapter Sixteen of Father Goriot by Honoré de Balzac, translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Sixteen. Next day, Goriot and Rastignac were ready to leave the lodging house and only awaited the good pleasure of a porter to move out of it. But towards noon, there was a sound of wheels in the Rue Neuve Sainte Geneviève, and a carriage stopped before the door of the Maison Vauquer madame de nucingen alighted and asked if her father was still in the house and receiving an affirmative reply from sylvie ran lightly upstairs it so happened that eugene was at home all unknown to his neighbor at breakfast-time he had asked goriot to superintend the removal of his goods saying that he would meet him in the rue d'artois at four o'clock but rastignac's name had been called early on the list at the ecole de droit and he had gone back at once to the rue neuve sainte Genevieve. no one had seen him come in for goriot had gone to find a porter and the mistress of the house was likewise out eugene had thought to pay her himself for it struck him that if he left this goriot in his zeal would probably pay for him as it was eugene went up to his room to see that nothing had been forgotten and blessed his foresight when he saw the blank bill bearing vautrin's signature lying in the drawer where he had carelessly thrown it on the day when he had repaid the amount there was no fire in the grate so he was about to tear it into little pieces when he heard a voice speaking in goriot's room and the speaker was delphine he made no more noise and stood still to listen thinking that she should have no secrets from him but after the first few words the conversation between the father and daughter was so strange and interesting that it absorbed all his attention ah thank heaven that you thought of asking him to give an account of the money settled on me before i was utterly ruined father is it safe to talk she added yes there is no one in the house said her father faintly what is the matter with you asked madame de nucingen god forgive you you have just dealt me a staggering blow child said the old man you cannot know how much i love you or you would not have burst in upon me like this with such news especially if all is not lost has something so important happened that you must come here about it in a few minutes we should have been in the rue d'artois eh, does one think what one is doing after a catastrophe it has turned my head your attorney has found out the state of things now but it was bound to come out sooner or later we shall want your long business experience and i come to you like a drowning man who catches at a branch when monsieur derville found that nucingen was throwing all sorts of difficulties in his way he threatened him with proceedings and told him plainly that he would soon obtain an order from the president of the tribunal so nucingen came to my room this morning and asked if i meant to ruin us both i told him that i knew nothing whatever about it that i had a fortune and ought to be put into possession of my fortune and that my attorney was acting for me in the matter i said again that i knew absolutely nothing about it and could not possibly go into the subject with him wasn't that what you told me to tell him yes quite right answered goriot well then delphine continued he told me all about his affairs he had just invested all his capital and mine in business speculations they have only just been started and very large sums of money are locked up 
if i were to compel him to refund my dowry now he would be forced to file his petition but if i will wait a year he undertakes on his honor to double or treble my fortune by investing it in building land and i shall be mistress at last of the whole of my property he was speaking the truth father dear he frightened me he asked my pardon for his conduct he has given me my liberty i am free to act as i please on condition that i leave him to carry on my business in my name to prove his sincerity he promised that m derville might inspect the accounts as often as i pleased so that i might be assured that everything was being conducted properly in short he put himself in my power bound hand and foot he wishes the present arrangements as to the expenses of housekeeping to continue for two more years and entreated me not to exceed my allowance he showed me plainly that it was all he could do to keep up appearances he has broken with his opera dancer he will be compelled to practice the most strict economy in secret if he is to bide his time with unshaken credit i scolded i did all i could to drive him to desperation so as to find out more he showed me his ledgers he broke down and cried at last i never saw a man in such a state he lost his head completely talked of killing himself and raved till i felt quite sorry for him do you really believe that silly rubbish cried her father it was all got up for your benefit i have had to do with germans in the way of business honest and straightforward they are pretty sure to be but when with their simplicity and frankness they are sharpers and humbugs as well they are the worst rogues of all your husband is taking advantage of you as soon as pressure is brought to bear on him he shams dead he means to be more the master under your name than in his own he will take advantage of the position to secure himself against the risks of business he is as sharp as he is treacherous he is a bad lot no no i am not going to leave my girls behind me without a penny when i go to pere lachaise i know something about business still he has sunk his money in speculation he says very well then there is something to show for it bills receipts papers of some sort let him produce them and come to an arrangement with you we will choose the most promising of his speculations take them over at our own risk and have the securities transferred into your name they shall represent the separate estate of delphine goriot wife of the baron de nucingen does that fellow really take us for idiots does he imagine that i could stand the idea of your being without fortune without bread for forty-eight hours i would not stand it a day no not a night not a couple of hours if there had been any foundation for the idea i should never get over it what i have worked hard for forty years carried sacks on my back and sweated and pinched and saved all my life for you my darlings for you who made the toil and every burden borne for you seem light and now my fortune my whole life is to vanish in smoke i should die raving mad if i believed a word of it by all that's holiest in heaven and earth we will have this cleared up at once go through the books have the whole business looked thoroughly into i will not sleep nor rest nor eat until i have satisfied myself that all your fortune is in existence your money is settled upon you god be thanked and luckily your attorney maitre derville is an honest man 
good lord you shall have your snug little million your fifty thousand francs a year as long as you live or i will raise a racket in paris i will so if the tribunals put upon us i will appeal to the chambers if i knew that you were well and comfortably off as far as money is concerned that thought would keep me easy in spite of bad health and troubles money why it is life money does everything that great dolt of an alsatian shall sing to another tune look here delphine don't give way don't make a concession of half a quarter of a farthing to that fat head who has ground you down and made you miserable if he can't do without you we will give him a good cudgelling and keep him in order great heavens my brain is on fire it is as if there were something red-hot inside my head my delphine lying on straw you my fifine good gracious where are my gloves come let us go at once i mean to see everything with my own eyes books cash and correspondence the whole business i shall have no peace until i know for certain that your fortune is secure oh father dear be careful how you set about it if there is the least hint of vengeance in the business if you show yourself openly hostile it will be all over with me he knows whom he has to deal with he thinks it quite natural that if you put the idea into my head i should be uneasy about my money but i swear to you that he has it in his own hands and that he had meant to keep it he is just the man to abscond with all the money and leave us in the lurch the scoundrel he knows quite well that i will not dishonor the name i bear by bringing him into a court of law his position is strong and weak at the same time if we drive him to despair i am lost why then the man is a rogue well yes father she said flinging herself into a chair i wanted to keep it from you to spare your feelings and she burst into tears i did not want you to know that you had married me to such a man as he is he is just the same in private life body and soul and conscience the same through and through hideous i hate him i despise him yes after all that that despicable nusingen has told me i cannot respect him any longer a man capable of mixing himself up in such affairs and of talking about them to me as he did without the slightest scruple it is because i have read him through and through that i am afraid of him he my husband frankly proposed to give me my liberty and do you know what that means it means that if things turn out badly for him i am to play into his hands and be his stalking horse but there is law to be had there is a place de greve for sons-in-law of that sort cried her father why i would guillotine him myself if there was no headsman to do it no father the law cannot touch him listen this is what he says stripped of all his circumlocutions take your choice you and no one else can be my accomplice either everything is lost you are ruined and have not a farthing or you will let me carry this business through myself is that plain speaking he must have my assistance he is assured that his wife will deal fairly by him he knows that i shall leave his money to him and be content with my own it is an unholy and dishonest compact and he holds out threats of ruin to compel me to consent to it 
he is buying my conscience and the price is liberty to be eugene's wife in all but name i connive at your errors and you allow me to commit crimes and ruin poor families is that sufficiently explicit do you know what he means by speculations he buys up land in his own name then he finds men of straw to run up houses upon it these men make a bargain with the contractor to build the houses paying them by bills at long dates then in consideration of a small sum they leave my husband in possession of the houses and finally slip through the fingers of the deluded contractors by going into bankruptcy the name of the firm of nucingen has been used to dazzle the poor contractors i saw that i noticed too that nucingen had sent bills for large amounts to amsterdam london naples and vienna in order to prove if necessary that large sums had been paid away by the firm how could we get possession of those bills eugene heard a dull thud on the floor father goriot must have fallen on his knees great heavens what have i done to you bound my daughter to this scoundrel who does as he likes with her oh my child my child forgive me cried the old man yes if i am in the depths of despair perhaps you are to blame said delphine we have so little sense when we marry what do we know of the world of business or men or life our fathers should think for us father dear i am not blaming you in the least forgive me for what i said this is all my own fault nay do not cry papa she said kissing him do not cry either my little delphine look up and let me kiss away the tears there i shall find my wits and unravel this skein of your husband's winding no let me do that i shall be able to manage him he is fond of me well and good i shall use my influence to make him invest my money as soon as possible in landed property in my own name very likely i could get him to buy back nucingen in alsace in my name that has always been a pet idea of his still come to-morrow and go through the books and look into the business monsieur derville knows little of mercantile matters no not to-morrow though i do not want to be upset madame de beauseant's ball will be the day after to-morrow and i must keep quiet so as to look my best and freshest and do honour to my dear eugene come let us see his room but as she spoke a carriage stopped in the rue neuve sainte genevieve and the sound of madame de restaud's voice came from the staircase is my father in she asked of sylvie this accident was luckily timed for eugene whose one idea had been to throw himself down on the bed and pretend to be asleep oh father have you heard about anastasie said delphine when she heard her sister speak it looks as though some strange things had happened in that family what sort of things asked goriot this is like to be the death of me my poor head will not stand a double misfortune good morning father said the countess from the threshold oh delphine are you here madame de restaud seemed taken aback by her sister's presence good morning nessie said the baroness what is there so extraordinary in my being here i see our father every day since when if you came yourself you would know 
don't tease delphine said the countess fretfully i am very miserable i am lost oh my poor father it is hopeless this time what is it nazie cried goriot tell us all about it child how white she is quick do something delphine be kind to her and i will love you even better if that were possible poor nazie said madame de nucingen drawing her sister to a chair we are the only two people in the world whose love is always sufficient to forgive you everything family affection is the surest you see the countess inhaled the salts and revived this will kill me said their father there he went on stirring the smouldering fire come nearer both of you it is cold what is it nasie be quick and tell me this is enough to well then my husband knows everything said the countess just imagine it do you remember father that bill of maxime's some time ago well that was not the first i had paid ever so many before that about the beginning of january monsieur de troyes seemed very much troubled he said nothing to me but it is so easy to read the hearts of those you love a mere trifle is enough and then you feel things instinctively indeed he was more tender and affectionate than ever and i was happier than i had ever been before poor maxime in himself he was really saying good-bye to me so he has told me since he meant to blow his brains out at last i worried him so and begged and implored so hard for two hours i knelt at his knees and prayed and entreated and at last he told me that he owed a hundred thousand francs oh papa a hundred thousand francs i was beside myself you had not the money i knew i had eaten up all that you had no said goriot i could not have got it for you unless i had stolen it but i would have done that for you nasie i will do it yet the words came from him like a sob a hoarse sound like the death-rattle of a dying man it seemed indeed like the agony of death when the father's love was powerless there was a pause and neither of the sisters spoke it must have been selfishness indeed that could hear unmoved that cry of anguish that like a pebble thrown over a precipice revealed the depths of his despair i found the money father by selling what was not mine to sell and the countess burst into tears delphine was touched she laid her head on her sister's shoulder and cried too then it is all true she said anastasie bowed her head madame de nucingen flung her arms about her kissed her tenderly and held her sister to her heart i shall always love you and never judge you nasie she said my angels murmured goriot faintly oh why should it be trouble that draws you together this warm and palpitating affection seemed to give the countess courage to save maxime's life she said to save all my own happiness I went to the money-lender you know of, a man of iron forged in hell-fire, nothing can melt him. I took all the family diamonds that Monsieur de Restaud is so proud of, his and mine too, and sold them to that Monsieur Gobseck. Sold them, do you understand? I saved Maxime, but I am lost. Restaud found it all out. How? 
who told him i will kill him cried goriot yesterday he sent to tell me to come to his room i went anastasie he said in a voice oh such a voice that was enough it told me everything where are your diamonds in my room no he said looking straight at me there they are on that chest of drawers and he lifted his handkerchief and showed me the casket do you know where they came from he said i fell at his feet i cried i besought him to tell me the death he wished to see me die you said that cried goriot by god in heaven whoever lays a hand on either of you so long as i am alive may reckon on being roasted by slow fires yes i will cut him in pieces like goriot stopped the words died away in his throat and then dear he asked something worse than death of me oh heaven preserve all other women from hearing such words as i heard then i will murder that man said goriot quietly but he has only one life and he deserves to die twice and then what next he added looking at anastasie then the countess resumed there was a pause and he looked at me anastasie he said i will bury this in silence there shall be no separation there are the children i will not kill monsieur de troyes i might miss him if we fought and as for other ways of getting rid of him i should come into collision with the law if i killed him in your arms it would bring dishonor on those children but if you do not want to see your children perish nor their father nor me you must first of all submit to two conditions answer me have i a child of my own i answered yes which ernest our eldest boy very well he said and now swear to obey me in this particular from this time forward i swore you will make over your property to me when i require you to do so do nothing of the kind cried goriot aha monsieur de restaud you could not make your wife happy she has looked for happiness and found it elsewhere and you make her suffer for your own ineptitude he will have to reckon with me make yourself easy nazie aha he cares about his heir good very good i will get hold of the boy isn't he my grandson what the places i can surely go to see the brat i will stow him away somewhere i will take care of him you may be quite easy i will bring resto to terms the monster i shall say to him a word or two with you if you want your son back again give my daughter her property and leave her to do as she pleases father yes i am your father nazie a father indeed that rogue of a great lord had better not ill-treat my daughter tonnerre what is it in my veins there is the blood of a tiger in me i could tear those two men to pieces oh children children so this is what your lives are why it is death what will become of you when i shall be here no longer fathers ought to live as long as their children ah lord god in heaven how ill thy world is ordered thou hast a son if what they tell us is true and yet thou leavest us to suffer so through our children my darlings my darlings 
to think that trouble only should bring you to me that i should only see you with tears on your faces ah oh, yes yes you love me i see that you love me come to me and pour out your griefs to me my heart is large enough to hold them all oh you might rend my heart in pieces and every fragment would make a father's heart if only i could bear all your sorrows for you ah you were so happy when you were little and still with me we have never been happy since said delphine where are the old days when we slid down the sacks in the great granary that is not all father said anastasie in goriot's ear the old man gave a startled shudder the diamonds only sold for a hundred thousand francs maxime is hard-pressed there are twelve thousand francs still to pay he has given me his word that he will be steady and give up play in future his love is all that i have left in the world i have paid such a fearful price for it that i should die if i lose him now i have sacrificed my fortune my honor my peace of mind and my children for him oh do something so that at the least maxime may be at large and live undisgraced in the world where he will assuredly make a career for himself something more than my happiness is at stake the children have nothing and if he is sent to sainte pelagie all his prospects will be ruined i haven't the money nasi i have nothing nothing left this is the end of everything yes the world is crumbling into ruin i am sure fly save yourselves ah i have still my silver buckles left and half a dozen silver spoons and forks the first i ever had in my life but i have nothing else except my life annuity twelve hundred francs then what has become of your money in the funds i sold out and only kept a trifle from my wants i wanted twelve thousand francs to furnish some rooms for delphine in your own house asked madame de restaud looking at her sister what does it matter where they were asked goriot the money is spent now i see how it is said the countess rooms for monsieur de rastignac poor delphine take warning by me monsieur de rastignac is incapable of ruining the woman he loves dear thanks delphine i thought you would have been kinder to me in my troubles but you never did love me yes yes she loves you nasie cried goriot she was saying so only just now we were talking about you and she insisted that you were beautiful and that she herself was only pretty pretty said the countess she is as hard as a marble statue and if i am cried delphine flushing up how have you treated me you would not recognize me you closed the doors of every house against me you have never let an opportunity of mortifying me slip by and when did i come as you were always doing to drain our poor father a thousand francs at a time till he is left as you see him now that is all your doing sister i myself have seen my father as often as i could i have not turned him out of the house and then come and fawned upon him when i wanted money i did not so much as know that he had spent those twelve thousand francs on me i am economical as you know and when papa has made me presents it has never been because i came and begged for them you were better off than i monsieur de marsay was rich as you have reason to know 
you always were as slippery as gold good-bye i have neither sister nor oh hush hush nazie cried her father nobody else would repeat what everybody has ceased to believe you are an unnatural sister cried delphine oh children children hush hush or i will kill myself before your eyes there nessie i forgive you said madame de nucingen you are very unhappy but i am kinder than you are how could you say that just when i was ready to do anything in the world to help you even to be reconciled with my husband which for my own sake i oh it is just like you you have behaved cruelly to me all through these nine years children children kiss each other cried the father you are angels both of you now let me alone cried the countess shaking off the hand that her father had laid on her arm she is more merciless than my husband any one might think she was a model of all the virtues herself i would rather have people think that i owed money to monsieur de marsay than own that monsieur de Trailles had cost me more than two hundred thousand francs retorted madame de nucingen delphine cried the countess stepping towards her sister i shall tell you the truth about yourself if you begin to slander me said the baroness coldly delphine you are a father goriot sprang between them grasped the countess's hand and laid his own over her mouth good heavens father what have you been handling this morning said anastasie ah oh, well yes i ought not to have touched you said the poor father wiping his hands on his trousers but i have been packing up my things i did not know that you were coming to see me he was glad that he had drawn down her wrath upon himself ah he sighed as he sat down you children have broken my heart between you this is killing me my head feels as if it were on fire be good to each other and love each other this will be the death of me delphine nassie come be sensible you are both in the wrong come didel he added looking through his tears at the baroness she must have twelve thousand francs you see let us see if we can find them for her oh my girls do not look at each other like that and he sank on his knees beside delphine ask her to forgive you just to please me he said in her ear she is more miserable than you are come now didel poor nazie said delphine alarmed at the wild extravagant grief in her father's face i was in the wrong kiss me ah that is like balm to my heart cried father goriot but how are we to find twelve thousand francs i might offer myself as a substitute in the army oh father dear they both cried flinging their arms about him no no god reward you for the thought we are not worth it are we nazie asked delphine and besides father dear it would only be a drop in the bucket observed the countess but is flesh and blood worth nothing cried the old man in his despair i would give body and soul to save you nassie i would do a murder for the man who would rescue you i would do as vautrin did go to the hulks go he stopped as if struck by a thunderbolt and put both hands to his head nothing left he cried tearing his hair 
if i only knew of a way to steal money but it is so hard to do it and then you can't set to work by yourself and it takes time to rob a bank yes it is time i was dead there is nothing left me to do but to die i am no good in the world i am no longer a father no she has come to me in her extremity and wretch that i am i have nothing to give her ah you put your money into a life annuity old scoundrel and had you not daughters you did not love them die die in a ditch like the dog that you are yes i am worse than a dog a beast would not have done as i have done oh my head it throbs as if it would burst papa cried both the young women at once do pray be reasonable and they clung to him to prevent him from dashing his head against the wall there was a sound of sobbing eugene greatly alarmed took the bill that bore vautrin's signature saw that the stamp would suffice for a larger sum altered the figures made it into a regular bill for twelve thousand francs payable to goriot's order and went to his neighbor's room here is the money madame he said handing the piece of paper to her i was asleep your conversation awoke me and by this means i learned all that i owed to monsieur goriot this bill can be discounted and i shall meet it punctually at the due date the countess stood motionless and speechless but she held the bill in her fingers delphine she said with a white face and her whole frame quivering with indignation anger and rage i forgave you everything god is my witness that i forgave you but i cannot forgive this so this gentleman was there all the time and you knew it your petty spite has led you to wreak your vengeance on me by betraying my secrets my life my children's lives my shame my honor there you are nothing to me any longer i hate you i will do all that i can to injure you i will anger paralyzed her the words died in her dry parched throat why he is my son my child he is your brother your preserver cried goriot kiss his hand nazie stay i will embrace him myself he said straining eugene to his breast in a frenzied clasp oh my boy i will be more than a father to you if i had god's power i would fling worlds at your feet why don't you kiss him nazie he is not a man but an angel an angel out of heaven never mind her father she is mad just now mad am i and what are you cried madame de restaud children children i shall die if you go on like this cried the old man and he staggered and fell on the bed as if a bullet had struck him they are killing me between them he said to himself the countess fixed her eyes on eugene who stood stock still all his faculties were numbed by this violent scene sir she said doubt and inquiry in her face tone and bearing she took no notice now of her father nor of delphine who was hastily unfastening his waistcoat madame said eugene answering the question before it was asked i will meet the bill and keep silence about it you have killed our father nazie said delphine pointing to goriot who lay unconscious on the bed the countess fled i freely forgive her 
said the old man, opening his eyes. Her position is horrible. It would turn an older head than hers. Comfort Nazie and be nice to her, Delphine. Promise it to your poor father before he dies, he asked, holding Delphine's hand in a convulsive clasp. Oh, what ails you, father? she cried in real alarm. Nothing, nothing, said Goriot. It will go off. There is something heavy pressing on my forehead, a little headache. Ah, poor Nassie, what a life lies before her. Just as he spoke, the countess came back again and flung herself on her knees before him. Forgive me, she cried. Come, said her father, you are hurting me still more. Monsieur, the countess said, turning to Rastignac, misery made me unjust to you. You will be a brother to me, will you not? And she held out her hand. Her eyes were full of tears as she spoke. Nessie, cried Delphine, flinging her arms round her sister, my little Nessie, let us forget and forgive. No, no, cried Nessie, I shall never forget. Dear angels, cried Goriot, it is as if a dark curtain over my eyes had been raised. Your voices have called me back to life. Kiss each other once more. Well, now, Nessie, that bill will save you, won't it? I hope so. I say, papa, will you write your name on it? There, how stupid of me to forget that. But I am not feeling at all well, Nessie, so you must not remember it against me. Send and let me know as soon as you are out of your strait. No, I will go to you. No, after all, I will not go. I might meet your husband, and I should kill him on the spot. And as for signing away your property, I shall have a word to say about that. Quick, my child, and keep Maxime in order in future. Eugène was too bewildered to speak. Poor Anastasie, she always had a violent temper, said Madame de Nucingen, but she has a good heart. She came back for the endorsement, said Eugène in Delphine's ear. Do you think so? I only wish I could think otherwise. Do not trust her he answered, raising his eyes as if he confided to heaven the thoughts that he did not venture to express. Yes, she is always acting a part to some extent. How do you feel now, dear Father Goriot? asked Rastignac. I should like to go to sleep, he replied. Eugène helped him to bed, and Delphine sat by the bedside, holding his hand until he fell asleep. Then she went. This evening, at the Italien, she said to Eugène, and you can let me know how he is. Tomorrow you will leave this place, monsieur. Let us go into your room. Oh, how frightful, she cried on the threshold. Why, you are even worse lodged than our father. Eugène, you have behaved well. I would love you more, if that were possible. But, dear boy, if you are to succeed in life, you must not begin by flinging twelve thousand francs out of the windows like that. The Comte de Trailles is a confirmed gambler. My sister shuts her eyes to it. He would have made the twelve thousand francs in the same way that he wins and loses heaps of gold. A groan from the next room brought them back to Goriot's bedside. To all appearances he was asleep, but the two lovers caught the words, They are not happy. 
whether he was awake or sleeping the tone in which they were spoken went to his daughter's heart she stole up to the pallet bed on which her father lay and kissed his forehead he opened his eyes ah delphine he said how are you now she asked quite comfortable do not worry about me i shall get up presently don't stay with me children go go and be happy eugene went back with delphine as far as her door but he was not easy about goriot and would not stay to dinner as she proposed he wanted to be back at the maison vauquer father goriot had left his room and was just sitting down to dinner as he came in bianchon had placed himself where he could watch the old man carefully and when the old vermicelli maker took up his square of bread and smelled it to find out the quality of the flour the medical student studying him closely saw that the action was purely mechanical and shook his head just come and sit over here hospitaller of cochin said eugene bianchon went the more willingly because his change of place brought him next to the old lodger what is wrong with him asked rastignac it is all up with him or i am much mistaken something very extraordinary must have taken place he looks to me as if he were in imminent danger of serous apoplexy the lower part of his face is composed enough but the upper part is drawn and distorted then there is that peculiar look about the eyes that indicates an effusion of serum in the brain they look as though they were covered with a film of fine dust do you notice i shall know more about it by to-morrow morning is there any cure for it none it might be possible to stave death off for a time if a way could be found of setting up a reaction in the lower extremities but if the symptoms do not abate by to-morrow evening it will be all over with him poor old fellow do you know what has happened to bring this on there must have been some violent shock and his mind has given way yes there was said rastignac remembering how the two daughters had struck blow on blow at their father's heart but delphine at any rate loves her father he said to himself End of chapter 16